Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Abby Moore to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So Abby, it's great to have you here with us today. And would you go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about your background with libraries? Of course. Um, This will be, I'm about to start my 17th year in education. Okay. My 14th year in the library. Um, In Texas, you have to spend a few years in the classroom. And so I did teach fifth grade English reading and language arts for three years before coming into the library. Okay. Um, I can't believe it's been... 14 years just to think about. It's just crazy. So actually I transitioned into the library in the same campus where I was teaching. Okay. And that happens to also be within the district where I grew up. So I live in my hometown, (laughs) Um, which, which is very, it's unique in its own way because I work with teachers who taught me. Okay. Uh, my call on Mrs. Whatever anymore. <laughs> it's weird. It's like a whole different dynamic. And then my um, my administrator at my campus, where I've been the most, um, we grew up together. So she's only a couple of years older than me. We went to school together as well. She is also back in her hometown. I don't know. It's just it's pretty cool. So um, I did. Basically, I worked at. The campus at the time was a fourth, fifth, and sixth grade campus as a librarian in that space um, for several years. And then we had huge budget cuts. Some people might remember that if they, (laughs) back in like, I think it was like 2011, 2010s. So at that time, I was tasked with doing two libraries. So I had to, for three years, um, take over our second and third grade campus. So mm-hmm. then I was doing second, third, and then fourth, fifth, and sixth. Okay. Um, I did that for three years. And then I came back to South in 2014. That's my fourth, fifth, and sixth campus. Mm-hmm. And I was rocking along good, you know, back at home, not having to split my time. I was splitting a week for three years there, which was oh, kind wow. of, and, so- and some people may be able to relate to that. Um, and I, I certainly can relate to that. Yeah. Um, I began a genrefication process at that time at South because of some fundamental things that I was like switching around in my head. And, um, when we, when we did that, our circulation just exploded. Um, I could see the shift happening, um, in the school and the library became a much more like active place to be. Plus I was there full time again after not being there full time. So I had, um, I just, I sort of was like, I'm all in. I had, I had my first few years before I was tasked with doing two libraries, I sort of, um, I guess I didn't know that it, (laughs) I, I didn't utilize my time as well. And then once I had that perspective of having a split time, a split week, then when I finally got to come back full time, I was like, okay. (laughs) Um, I am going to make sure I squeeze every minute I can out of this. So, so we just worked really hard. And then I think, um, 
after a few years of that, we were having such a robust library program at that particular campus that I was asked to then be in charge of all of the campuses in our district, which is um, four campuses. So I have been doing that since 2019. Okay, what does that mean? Like you're physically going there or you're like the lead librarian or? I am the, uh, what it looks like here is I have a full-time paraprofessional at each campus. So I have four, um, one person at each campus, they're full-time. And then I sort of pop in on a regular basis. I don't have a particular home base at the moment. Uh, So I spend my week going to the the greatest need a lot of times that I make sure I try to see everybody at least once in the week and I just stay there all day so yeah yeah okay so like I'm just I'm curious how that um, impacts let's say like your teaching time do you do you find time to still teach as a librarian or is it really more just keeping that's that's been a hard switch and if you think about when I made this switch was the fall of 2019 Back the last time things were normal ever. Um, and so I, I don't know that I can answer your question fairly yeah. because it's still such a transition. And even this past year, 2021, 2022 was the first year I started the year with four full-time right. people right. in the library. So, so I'm still trying to figure that out. But I think where I'm at now is, and it depends, it varies from campus to campus for sure, but trying to um, build up my people that are um, on those campuses full time Mm -hmm. and helping out in that way and seeing how we can support a more robust lesson program there. Great. Really good. Okay. So you, you talked about your early years and, you know, back in your own hometown, do, do you have any, any good stories you could share with us about what it was like from the, the early times? Oh, goodness. I mean, I, I have, we have had so many funny times. I, um, mm-hmm. uh, working with people that taught me and then working with people's kids who I grew up with yeah. and, you know, yeah. the whole dynamic of it all. I don't know that I have like funny stories. I just have a lot of like really heartwarming moments. Um, we've done, we created a book club many years ago and, um, it was after the tsunami in Japan. Mm -hmm. You remember that we decided we wanted to raise some money. The book club, we were called the bookaroos because because our, our mascot is the buckaroo. Here okay. in Breckenridge. And so we were the bookers. We decided uh, we were reading The Lemonade War by Jacqueline Davies. And we decided we wanted to do a lemonade stand and raise money for uh, the hurricane in, I mean, the uh, tsunami in Japan. Yeah. And so we sold lemonade for like a solid week after school um, at 50 cents a, a cup in the after school line. So about 15, 20 minutes every day for five days. And we raised like $700, which was great in our little small town. Um, I've never been so sticky in my entire (laughs) life. It was just uh, sugar everywhere. My mom helped me. She still talks about how sticky we (laughs) won't work because we were having to haul these huge things, eliminate back and forth. Yeah. Um, we also developed like a book night district wide where we had one night where um, we invited the community to come out on the football field. Mm-hmm. Football's big in West Texas. So um, 
and we they spread out blankets and we read we celebrated reading um we did that for a few years so we've had some really fun fun times in those in those early years for sure good that's good so Abby, when you're looking back um maybe there's some other librarians that are in similar situations like you know you you were in is there any kind of advice um that that you think would have been really helpful for you to know back then um Yes, a couple of things. I think it's really hard to adjust to the time situation of a library program, especially if you're transitioning from a classroom teacher. Um, that was a real hard adjustment for me because I felt like, um, you know, in, in a school year, you have like these markers, you have the six, yeah. the, the six weeks yeah. markers, and you've got like testing and got and then when the year is over, it's over and you start over with a whole new bunch of kids. the mm -hmm. next year, it's like the slate wipes clean in a way. Yeah, but to, to treat the library program more as like a, a, a living organism that is just constantly being shaped and formed and there really is no beginning or end necessarily um is is a way something that you really kind of have to adjust to it can be overwhelming mm -hmm. it's almost like looking at the ocean and you're like oh okay it's hard because there's no finite you know definitive end to things but um to really embrace that freedom that you have and then i would also say to build relationships with your people find your people yeah um and that may just be like one person on staff. It doesn't have to be in the ELA team. It can be anybody that you can connect with. Um, I think that's, I think building those relationships is probably the most important thing to do at the, at the early stages, especially so that you have that. Not only do you have people where you can lean on because education is so, um, it can be so draining and hard, but also so that you, they can support you. Yeah. Whenever, you point. know, you need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very good points. All right. So it's summertime at the time of this recording. And so some of our listeners, you know, they're trying to figure out like what, what kind of things, because as a teacher, I know we, I used to think of things, what was I going to do next year? You know, what was going to do different. What could I get ready now? So it's easier for me next year. Um, but I also know we all need breaks. <laughs> you know, it's very important to take a break. But um, what, what kind of things do you do in the summer that, that kind of helps you be ready for next year? And this is interesting, too. So depending on who's listening, unless they manage a bunch of libraries, you know, maybe I can speak to each each type of pers person if yeah. you're in a middle yeah, school, sure. elementary and high school, because I have to have a plan for each one of them. OK, um, so I'm kind of like four different people. But um, I feel like for for me personally, next year, we are going to be com <clears throat> coming in with three new administrators in the district out of four. Wow, that's significant. It's oh. very significant. Yeah. Um, one of our campuses hasn't had a new administrator like eight years or so. So that's a, a shift. Mm -hmm. um, actually, two of our campuses have had pretty, pretty stable um, leadership there. So we, so first and foremost, I've got to talk to those new people and just see what their goals are for their schools and how I can support them. I think it's important to like orient yourself toward what they're hoping to accomplish. Yeah. And while also establishing like how you can help in that and where your expertise is because you, you have to sometimes lay that out because you never know with a new admin how what they perceive of libraries it's very different from district to district so depending on where they came from 
Mm -hmm. You got to get their perspective a little bit. Yeah. So I'll be doing that for three campuses. I've got a collection to rearrange at at our pre-K through second grade campus. Um, Finally getting my hands really dirty in that particular campus and their collection. And we're binning some books up. We're playing around with the organization. Yeah, I've seen those cute bins like that. I think that's really practical for the little. Oh, guy. it's it's yeah. been a game changer. We've dipped our toes into it. And now we're like all in. Um, at the secondary level, particularly at our high school, just trying to figure out, think of some ways to get some more foot traffic up there. You know, some good programming ideas, and we're tightening up our collection development policy. Okay, um, all of those fun things. <laughs> You know, um, we are, I'm sort of creating like the groundwork for a literacy uh, push district-wide where I can get some input. So I don't know, that sounds like a lot, but I'm actually trying to scale it back. (laughs) And you're probably volunteering. I don't think, are you being paid to do that this summer? Uh, No, never. (laughs) I didn't think so, but. but, Exactly. We've all been there and, and done that kind of thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so Abby, when you and I were um, kind of getting ready to talk about um, this podcast time, you you kind of brought up the idea of, of the change in libraries and that, that libraries are really a science and an art. And I know we'll hear that same kind of thing when we think about teaching. You know, is, is teaching mm-hmm. science or is it an art? But let me hear your perspective on, um, on libraries and what that means what that means to you? Well, I just feel like when I came into this profession, it's, it's a very interesting, unique profession and I love it so mm-hmm. much. And it, we have a lot of almost stereotypical <laughs> things to lean into. Like librarians, are, they shush you all the time and they have really rigid rules and, you know, they're very um, strict and, and all these things, which may be true. But um, and then when you go get your degree, you're getting a library science degree and there is a science to it. And I, I don't I'm sure a lot of you, if you have library science degree, have had people look at you funny when you say that. Like, what on earth would that even be like that doesn't sound like a real thing? So there is a science to it. Um, but what I've discovered over the years is how do we take that science, those hard and fast rules and we adapt them to our to our people that we serve and, mm-hmm. um, and, and that is the art. And that takes a while to develop. I mean, you can have all the hard and fast rules, but the art of the job is where all of the good things happen. So if you can figure out how to cultivate that, yeah. um, and that's what I've done or what I've tried to do. Yeah. Um, because I have changed so much, like over the last 14 years, I can't, I can't even explain how much my philosophy has changed, how much um, even my physical spaces have changed. I have redone libraries many times over um, to try to, and then uh, that's why I think it's an art because you're really, you're constantly reworking. And as, as your, as your patrons change, you have to adjust too. So. So give the audience some examples. Like, what do you mean by the art of, of libraries, library science, what would that mean? Um, reader's advisory is a good um, example because, and this is the very basic, like the very little, the little seed that you plant in the job. And 
um, oftentimes it gets snowed under by everything else. But simply asking a kid what they like to read and listening to them and also having the the knowledge of your collection. Mm -hmm. Those two things are just like the perfect marriage when you're talking about, you know, reader's advisory. And and it, it sounds pretty simple, but it's, it's amazing to me how many librarians don't know their collections. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so you got it. You have to have your finger on the pulse of that. Yeah. And then you have to be willing um, to really listen to the kids. And if they tell you they don't like something to, to be okay with that, mm-hmm. like, you know, to understand that they have likes and dislikes just like we do and mm-hmm. to lean into that. Because I think the reader's advisory part, picking books for kids um, can be absolutely game changing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, it will help them have a more positive view of the library. It will help them um, be able to figure out their own reading preferences as they grow and change. I think um, it can't be stressed enough. And unfortunately, it just gets pushed to the side way too often. Yeah. yeah. Um, collection development is another art, I think. Okay. Um, I, I'm a, I like to choose our own books. I don't, I, I appreciate the services out there that will send you books. <laughs> um, and I understand the need for that. And, and I'm working in a smaller situation, but I really like to have a hand in the books that we're purchasing so that I really know um, what we're buying, who we're buying for. Yeah. Um, and there is definitely an art to that. It's going to be super overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then along with that, like genrefication, I'm a big proponent of genrefication. So, um, I've, I've done it now. We have genrefied third grade all through high school. Um, and I would never go back. So, um, it has been a game changer for us and that is an art too. And that's one of the things where it kind of goes back to that library science thing where you'll hear, well, you've got this book and where does it fit? Like, what if it fits in three different genres? That's the art you know, because then we'll try it, try it in fantasy and see how it works there. You know, if it doesn't work there, you're the artist, change the label, change the location. Um, Be flexible with that because uh, whenever I first started genrefying, we, I asked the kids if it, if it wasn't like really black and white, some of the books are very obvious, but some of those that aren't, I would ask the kids, where would you go to find this book? Mm, that's a good point. easiest that yeah. I had sixth grade helpers at that time and they were fantastic at that and a lot of the books are on the shelf based on their, their recommendation, recommendation. I, I love that idea of having them involved because I know that you know a lot of vendors you can print uh, like upload your collection and then print what they say you know are the genres for those books but that makes much more sense having the kids help you know on some of those and see, that's funny. Whenever I first did genrefication, that was not a thing. Uh, publishers did not do that. Yeah. No, you could not get your stuff analyzed like that. And then, yeah. I mean, we put all this work into it like five years after that. Now, all of a sudden, it's a service, which is fantastic. I'm yes. all about it. But I think about um, there was something to doing it from scratch and kind of calling our own shots and mm-hmm. having the kids be heavily involved. They also did a lot of our physical lab- labeling okay. of the books. Um, they were the ones that originally picked the color scheme because we went with a, a color scheme. I mean, they just had such 
a fingerprint on the whole process that the buy-in was just really incredible. And, and that, that helped. Sense. It makes sense for how you were saying how your circulation was increasing. You know, they they know the collection too. Yep. Better, you know, like you did as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So Abby, for the people who are just thinking of starting out, you know, well, maybe I do need to rethink some of my thinking. Um, do you have some like first steps, like maybe some easy ways they could get started? There's so many different ways. I, I think it's in librarianships that we've seen the the winds change and the like makerspace. We've done that. We've done dynamic shelving is happening. Find forgiveness, flexible shelving. I, I mean, flexible scheduling is another thing. I feel like don't overwhelm yourself okay. with all of the trends. Um, you don't have to like turn the whole space over. Um, to make a big impact. I would pick a couple of things that you feel pretty um, confident about okay. at your place and then see how you can work towards making those goals happen. But give yourself grace because sometimes some of these things are like turning a cruise ship sometimes. And so yeah. um, I firmly believe in giving yourself grace at every step and constantly like try to have the humility to recognize when things aren't quite working and adjust because there's no there's no harm in saying you know what I had this really good idea it's like not working for us so let's just let's just switch and Mm -hmm. that goes back to that time concept because I had I struggled with that part in the beginning because I felt like it would be a wasted time if I would you know, we've spent a certain amount of weeks working on this and it just crashed and burned. Yeah. But that's not what happens in libraries. You know, you can shift at any moment and change course and everything, you know, as long as you keep your goals in mind and your focus mm-hmm. aligned, uh, I think that you will find some really, some really good diamonds there to um, squeeze out of your program. Yeah. And when I think about like goals and strategies, like like keep that goal, you know, your big goal is whatever it's going to be, you know, to increase access to whatever books or something, but it's the strategies I think we can be flexible with, you know, like, okay, that one didn't work. You know, let me move on to the next one. Absolutely. um, Yes. And I think that that's where the humility is. You stand firm in your training and your expertise and your Mm -hmm. knowledge of what is right for kids. And then you, but those tiny little adjustments, there's the art again, those tiny little adjustments as you work your way toward those goals, Mm -hmm. um, learn from what, what works and what doesn't and just stay the course Yeah, because it's worth it. Very good points there. All right, Abby. So as we're starting to wrap up our time together, you had some really great advice for our listeners. Um, Is there any kind of closing comments that you'd like to share with them? I would say just plug in however you can to the larger community. Um, I am from a rural uh, district where for many years I felt like I was alone and um, I was the only certified librarian in the district. I still am the only certified librarian in the district. Um, It can be an isolating thing. So my advice is to seek people beyond the scope of your own district Okay. And um, I, I love connecting on social media, like the Future Ready Librarians group is mm-hmm. one of my favorite groups, um, following certain people on Instagram. I love Donalyn Miller is a great follow and um, 
Colby Sharp and the Book Wrangler, Pernell Rip, and all these folks that just um, they are staying the course yeah. of their of their own goals, and I can learn from all. And not all those people are librarians. I just feel like we all have a stake in this, mm-hmm. and um, I follow a lot of science of reading um, social media things too. I read a a lot about the science of reading because I feel like we have, there's just so many facets. And um, if we don't work together, because we have a reading crisis in this nation, we do. And if we don't work together, um, we are certainly not going to get any better. So I I try to keep myself um, reading uh, about the latest research on anything from student choice or um, collection development or science of reading or anything mm-hmm. that can keep me like sort of up to date on okay. that. Good points. Very good points. All right. So Abby, for the listeners who want to follow you, you talked about social media and who you follow. Um, where can our listeners find you online? Um, I do have Twitter and Instagram are both more like my last name is M-O-O-R-E. So more libraries um, on Twitter and Instagram. I I try to share everything we do in our libraries on um, our district library Facebook page. I created a Facebook page just for our library system. All right. And so if you search for Breckenridge ISD libraries, you you'll see the little green buckaroo. That's our library page. I also thought after doing this, I might start it, or I did go ahead and create a separate Facebook page called the art of library science. If anybody wants to hop up on there, we might could start something from the ground up. Yeah. Um, I just think anywhere you can find a space to collaborate and bounce ideas is always a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And we will put uh, the links to Abby's social media that she's talked about and this new Facebook page she's our group that she's starting. Uh, So any listeners, you can visit laurashinneman.com and go to the blog post area and you'll find Abby's information there as well. Uh, But Abby, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. And I I just love the things that you're doing and how you're you're making it work for you. You know, and that's an art too, you know, that that you're giving yourself grace, you know, as you're moving through this. Yes, for sure. All these these different schools, that's a lot to handle, but you're doing it. (laughs) Uh, well and if anybody needs to reach out to me like I put my email on there as well if you want to share that out because I am totally fine with connecting however we can connect we'll add your email on there as well sounds great so Abby thanks again for your time and have a great day and we'll chat with you another time okay thank you Laura bye